0: hello now i insist now we must do hello no hello hello now now i can mm-hmm. hear you now okay. now it works
1: no you were you're coming from the the call was coming wrong inside the room but not in my microphone
0: yeah wrong and that's microphone. so weird because we just did a zoom oh it's don't, right don't like don't, you don't. and i right yeah yep. you're oh, doing, did you do another zoom with somebody else in the uh-huh. i did i did oh that's why i see
1: yep um i did uh uh, I did a zoom. I did two. I've done two, two mm. zooms. Don, this is, this is my, my fourth zoom of the day. Am I actually Oof. my fifth? Let's wow. look. let me, let me go back and look here. It's a lot of zooms. One, mm. two, three. No, this is number four. Um, what's really nice. As soon as we're done, I've, uh, I've got something different, um, just to spice it up a little bit. I got a Google mm. meet. No. yeah. Meet, meet. Meet them, meet <clears throat> them at the, meet them where they're at. Meet them at
0: Google well, this is this is only my second zoom of the day, but um, I'm kind of excited for my third I mean, I'm I, for well, first of all, Ben, I'm excited for all of my zooms. <laughs> uh-huh. i am I'm excited for the zooms that I do with you, most of all. I want you to know. but um, but we do this all the time. um i have a I have a rather unique uh, zoom um coming up uh, this evening. Uh, I'm giving a guest lecture in the class that will enable you to earn a certificate in cannabis law and business and i'm going to be oh. talking this afternoon this evening about cannabis microbiology oh i'm excited about that uh. yeah which is it's it's really kind of uh, it's kind of an interesting topic it's not it's not one that i have a whole lot of experience with i d- i do remember i think back in the day on food safety talk which is the podcast that we're recording right now um, he said to remind himself um, <laughs> that um, I think I w- I've i mentioned I was talking with a guy from somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, I think, who was interested in like how you could sample things uh, because the problem, I don't know if you know this about cannabis, Ben. Um, it's legal in some states. I've heard, uh, I've heard. But it's but it's illegal at the federal level. Um, which means if you're a f- if you're a food company and you're making food and you need to get that food tested for microbiology, you can just send you can just send that sample willy nilly anywhere you want. Right. Um, not so except, much with cannabis. Yeah, except except when it comes to cannabis, where it's a whole it's a whole other world. Right. Um, Right. And so and so his concern was, well, how can we do basically the idea is, you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of interest in PCR, obviously, for a variety of reasons. But yeah, I mean, if I if I extract my cannabis to get the salmonella DNA out, um, I could send that salmonella DNA um, extraction as long as it doesn't contain THC. Right. The active ingredient. Uh, I can I can send that. So anyway, I had some interesting discussions with him. Um, never never really went any more beyond some interesting discussions and reviewing some documents. He he's I think he was kind of a stoner. I think he got distracted and he got he got you know, he's a lot of fun to talk to, but he's yeah, a little bit of a stoner. Um, but uh yeah, so and, but on this for this lecture, I've been working with a lawyer um who he, he's I don't think he's he's pretty t- I don't know he, he might he might be you know he might be you know a little uh you know Get a little cannabis on the side but he's pretty he's pretty straight laced uh pretty, pretty you know for a lawyer he's pretty uh he has a beard um you know but uh, but it's a very well trimmed uh beard um and uh yeah he's, he's been a lot of fun to, to talk with him uh about about cannabis and does he, he look, sent me his slides um yeah oh does he look hungry um like oh might, like might like might pass the, munchies? the munchies no yeah. No. no, he looks. He looks like so, he drives a fancy car, and he he's a little Jersey, you know. He oh, probably yeah. looks like he might have some gold chains, you yeah. know. I mean, he's a he's a nice enough guy, but uh, I,
1: yeah. Speaking of Jersey, speak, I know you live cannabis. In, <laughs> cannabis. I know you live in the uh, the Great Garden State. I um, do. Are Are you familiar? I don't think we've ever talked about this, um, but are you familiar with the uh, Danbury Trashers, um, which is a defunct uh, semi-professional. Well, no, it was a very professional hockey team in the United <laughs> Hockey League in, uh, it, so they weren't, they weren't in, um, they're in Danbury, Connecticut, which, which is close to Jersey, I guess. It I is. It in Jersey.
0: Yeah. Do you, are, um, are you, I, are you familiar? Well, I you know the most the most famous Connecticut team for me is uh, is the the Hartford Whalers. Right, the Whalers. We talked about before because yeah. they have the best logo in sports. But uh, I and I am familiar I am familiar familiar yes, I am yeah, familiar I'm familiar with Danbury, the city. I don't think I've ever heard of the Danbury Trashers. So okay. what is it about what is it about the Danbury Trashers that makes you think of New Jersey, Ben? Is that is that a, is that a veiled reference at the fact that our trash is is uh, is handled by organized crime, Ben? <laughs> well, it might be. Um... So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you
1: a couple of links here. Just oh, I listen- like their logo. I, yeah, I, that's, oh, I like. Oh, I'm I'm all in on the Trashers now. Yeah, their their logo is pretty pretty phenomenal. Um, I'm gonna give you a, just a little bit of homework that you you may or may not choose to do, but there is um a uh, a Netflix uh documentary mm-hmm. on the Danbury Trashers, um and. Uh, so yeah so there the the owner uh James I think it might be Jimmy Galenti, um he bought the the um he bought the franchise for his son he was a garbage disposal mogul yep um and uh yeah he bought, bought the bought it, bought it for his son AJ um AJ um was a high school hockey player but he got hurt and uh, at 17 years old he became the general manager of this um of this hockey team a professional hockey team and uh he uh yeah you should watch the documentary because it's pretty phenomenal um okay it, there's there, there's uh there's a jersey feel to it um there's um hockey which you know i like but there's also just a like a wonderful story uh it is called untold um we'll we'll link to this um uh in show notes uh untold crime and penalties uh they were the bad boys of hockey a team bought by a man with mob ties allegedly Run by his 17 year old son, with a rep for being as violent as they were good, and they ended up winning. Spoiler alert: they won the league, but then they were kicked out of the league uh, mm-hmm. right afterwards. It, it, it was uh, someone had sent this to me. It's, it's a couple of years old now. Someone had sent it to me, and um, it, I turned it on because I like a good documentary. And Danny usually doesn't like to to watch these things. Um, because my documentary choices are are usually things, you know, like we talked about in last episode. Um, you know, golf golfers who I don't like. um and I, I I like to watch the this. And she was engulfed in this hmm. like in this. She thought it was just one of those fascinating stories, but also said, our children can never watch this um, move movie, at least at the time, because there's, it's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of inappropriate stuff. And then turns out, um, my, my older son, uh, um, is, is a big fan of the Danbury trashers unbeknownst to us. He is well aware of this, of this documentary and story. Uh, now, now a couple of years later that I did not show it to him, but he, uh, he, he brought it up to me and said, have you watched this documentary? And I was like, yes, yes, I have. Uh, But anyway, um, untold crime and penalties, uh, the bad boys of hockey, the Danbury trashers, Danbury, Connecticut, not New Jersey. But, you know, you could see how I got here.
0: Right. Well, well, and it's and it's yeah. And I because I did a search in the article for the word Jersey um, and and it talks a lot about hockey jerseys. But there is one uh, sentence here. From your dad working in the waste business to your name being AJ to growing up in New Jersey, ah. the comparisons to the Sopranos are natural to me. So that yes. that's the that's the connection. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, as far as my my dear wife is concerned, um, there is one sport uh, that is played on ice uh, and yes. that is figure skating. Um, yep. unless it's the, unless it's the, um, what's the, what was that hockey? There was a very, very famous Olympic hockey game. Oh, the um, mi-
1: miracle, miracle on ice, miracle the- on
0: ice. Yeah. She, yep. she would be a fan of that. This does not, I don't, I don't think, I don't think this would appeal to her. So I'm no. not even going to, I'm not even going to try no i um, agreed i yes the, please don't. i'm surprised that i'm surprised that it uh, that it, it sucked danny and in. that's interesting
1: yeah it i mean it did um but i think it's it was more the story um mm-hmm. behind it so yeah you need um miracle is a great movie though yes um i think that was the name of the yeah uh and there's lots of good 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 things out there on that on that um great great situation which i know defined um the u.s hockey world it really didn't make a lot of impact to me as a Canadian, <laughs> mm-hmm. so i just uh, want to uh, mention that here uh um, yeah yep, in, yep. In this yep. in this fora understood uh, but you have to yeah, say that i do i do because we're all about the 1972 um summit series are you familiar with that um no <laughs> uh so there is a uh uh, we'll link to this in wikipedia this was the first time that the best canadian professional hockey players went to play the um at the time ussr uh hockey players uh and um there certainly had been the uh um, USSR, Russian, you know, Soviet Union had had Olympic teams, but uh, professionals weren't allowed to play in the Olympics, so there was right, never a right. best on best yep. until the nineteen seventy two Summit Series, and it was, you know, the way that you would organize a Summit Series, Don. Um, mm-hmm. There were eight games. It was not sure. a right, like not a seven game series.
0: Um, sure, the, you have eight games, so it could be um, a tie at the end. Right. Right. Uh, but what
1: ended up happening, um, was, uh, the, uh, there was one game that tied. So the uh, Sovi- Soviets won the first game seven to three, Canada won the second game four to one. They tied the third game four, to four Soviets won, uh, f- the next two games, uh, f- and then, uh, Canada won, uh, games three, six, seven and eight. To, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. To win four. Uh, the, to go uh four wins, three losses and one tie. So, and the last game was six five, so nail biter sounds like it, it was. And the goal was scored by um Toronto Maple Leaf great and um uh exciting exciting uh uh player Paul Henderson um and uh and my dad talked about how he was teaching at the time in nineteen seventy two and and they had uh TVs uh in the like in the elementary school right to watch this kid yeah of course they did it was a whole it's a whole thing so yeah um so uh anyway that's that's our miracle on ice was the 1972 series that happened uh seven years before uh well i guess six years before i was born but there is a wonderful cbc documentary um on on that that you can uh i think you can watch if you have like the if you got a vpn maybe maybe you don't even need a vpn um but you can watch it on uh, cbc gem uh, so so we'll link to to that documentary as well so uh, yeah hockey documentaries um z- hockey hockey safety documentary talk
0: yeah we had we got here from cannabis that's pretty good
1: not bad right uh so um well I can bring us back to cannabis have you, <laughs> have, you <laughs> have you been watching uh so here here's a a, a show that I'm not sure you and Kristen I would watch together. But have you watched White Lotus at all?
0: No. Um, and it's been a lot of people are been talking about it. Um, a lot of people on the Internet have been talking about it. So I am I am familiar with it and people do seem to like it.
1: I really like it. I we we are um, we're about halfway through the first season. Um, uh, but. Uh, it's uh yeah it, it's very well it's very well done i like the characters it is shot well it reminds me not at all plot or character or um style but what it makes me feel like is watching mad men which mm. i really which i really mm. really liked just a you know a, i don't know one of those um gr- i i thought great series that just you know, why would I watch a series about an ad agency in the 1950s in New York City? Same thing. Why would I watch a series about a hotel in in Hawaii? It's just well written and well done. So I won't, I won't go into any spoilers because I don't really have any because I'm only,
0: I think, four episodes
1: or five episodes in. But I really like it. We've been watching a lot of it.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, certainly <clears throat> it looks like there's people in it that we would like. I mean, we really like uh, Jennifer Coolidge. So um, very good, you know. Uh, which we mostly know from um the um the the show about the uh dog show best in show best in show yeah uh macadamia
1: nut uh walnut (laughs) peanut nut any kind of nut (laughs) nut. he can name any nut he (laughs) could he can name any nut (laughs) uh yeah no that um yes uh she that so that um that's a movie that I have not yet shown my kids and I'm not sure if they're gonna get it
0: oh yeah but uh, I really I, like it yeah yeah
1: that's not bad uh, I'm
0: gonna add that to the to the list um so oh, and I, there yeah. there is I, there is something um speaking of this there is something that I can not recommend um <laughs> ba- based on uh best in show best in show obviously stars uh Eugene Levy or levy Um levy. Uh, and, um, he's in a new travel show, um, which was, we did not find all that great. So I I told you about
1: the travel show that I like the best. The, um, uh, traveling travels with my father. I think it's called from, uh, from our friend, uh, travels, father, Jack, Jack Whitehall travels with father, Jack Whitehall.
0: Okay. Travels with, do you know, do you know who Jack Whitehall is? no is that he's not he's not uh he's not the guy from the white stripes right that's just jack white that's that's jack white jack whitehall (laughs) is the guy from the whitehall stripes um (laughs) he is
1: so i think you would love this show actually Mm. i think it 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 ticks a lot of boxes of yours um one is uh jack whitehall is famous to me from british panel shows um oh yes oh yes yeah number two um Jack Whitehall's father is the star of this show. He is okay. uh and and the first season it's not laid on super thick. The second third seasons, he, I think he gets a little more like understands that he is the star of the show and really leans into it. Um but I would uh, you you know before you go to um uh, watch all the other um Watch Untold Crime and Penalties Netflix official site. uh, I would go to uh, Jack Whitehall and Travels with My Father. It's very, it's delightful. I think. Yeah, it it
0: looks like it it looks like right in our wheelhouse, and uh, and we do know Jack Whitehall um, from panel shows, and uh, it is on our list on Netflix. And the the Eugene Levy show that is we watched episode one, which is on Finland. It's beautifully shot. I mean, it's a gorgeous show. It's a class. I mean, it's you know, it's Apple doing its best to produce beautiful TV shows. Um, but it just, it just wasn't compelling. It's sort of, it's sort of apples, maybe apples take on, um, what was it? Ricky Gervais show, um, idiot abroad. Oh um, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I did like that. And it's
0: too. yeah. which is great. This is not, this is not like that. I mean, Eugene Levy tries to be uncomfortable, but it's, it just doesn't, doesn't come off I think in my, in my opinion. So, um, Oh, and it's so annoying that i if I click this link, it takes oh. me to an Apple thing instead of to the thing that i I want to. I don't I want to link to a web page, Apple. I don't want to <laughs> link to your stupid thing well, so.
1: and and what was very uh, terrible to me is that I clicked on Netflix to go add something else to my list that I saw pop up. and it went very loud audio in my ears that scared <laughs> me um because of the uh, play pre play it uh, automatic play,
0: right. yeah.
1: um. So uh, yeah, so all right, th- there we go that we've done we, we, uh, so the only thing I want to talk you about is something <laughs> that I'm listening to. Uh, and and this is gonna maybe so sound a little bit weird, but over the last couple of days, um, I have uh, I, I've been listening to you know I like you know I like music um, and, and I've been listening to like soundtracks of Quentin Tarantino movies, okay. Um, because I, I don't know like something came up either in a podcast or one of the like Apple radio shows that I listened to where they played a couple of songs and I was like you know what he has really good soundtrack so I yeah. then added like six soundtracks to my Apple Music and have been listening hmm. to those because he he's got like seventies rock but like cool stuff yeah but, yeah. yeah 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 so so I, on the way um, to, uh, to to my office today um i listened to both um the uh, son of a preacher man by uh dusty springfield from oh, Dusty nice. Memphis, and um you never can tell uh from chuck berry uh and and then i listened to like three other chuck berry songs because it made me think like i should listen to more chuck berry because he's he's great so uh,
0: just, just just one question uh, yeah yep go ahead, go ahead. Uh, wh- wh- where where in that arc did you bring us back to cannabis <laughs>
1: I was going to bring you back to cannabis.
0: I think of white Lotus, white Lotus, white Lotus. There's cannabis. Oh, there's Jose. cannabis. Okay. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. So uh, Don, this, this show is not, <laughs> not the one when we uh, have to hold ourselves to rules of not waffling or, or uh, being, being all over the place. So I'm very right. much all over so the place. Go for on, it. Yeah. On purpose. This is what it's, what I'm here for. <laughs> so Some people like this. I,
0: I do. I mean, I do. I, I mean, yeah. you know, and, like and famously uh, we do this even if nobody listens. So, yeah, yeah, ex- absolutely.
1: Uh, so speaking of uh, nobody listening, <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to <laughs> no, I want to I want to give a shout out. I already told you this when when we were talking earlier today, but um, I I, I want to to publicly recognize your friend and my friend at, at Noronerd, uh Veronica Bryant, yes. because um veronica and i were were charged with um being oh, yes. the uh the the uh, i i don't know the the leaders uh, behind the program committee uh for conference for food protection there are certainly others that that um met and helped with uh kind of come up with a um a vision for this but but what we did for the conference for food protection Um, I think we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but I want to just thank Veronica specifically for this, Um, we we pulled together three days worth of webinars. Um, uh, Day one was focused on allergens um, and really specifically talking about sesame allergens uh, so we can give a foundation about things that will be talked about at the conference for food protection in Houston later in, in April um day two we talked about cleaning and disinfecting and sanitizing on lots of different surfaces but mainly focused on like weird surfaces like wood and cast iron porous surfaces um really to um to again just talk about some some science uh and then we also had a third day where two of our good friends uh kathy glass and linda harris talked about soaked nut uh, products and beverages as well as cold brew coffee but i you know i i really want like veronica did it all uh i just Mm want to be you know uh, i i i've been um i'm I'm less and less helpful and useful Mm -hmm. around the world of food safety because of the the other job thing that i have now and Mm -hmm. um and and veronica's like i got it i got this under control Mm -hmm. um so she really organized everything so i want to I you know I got to show up and do some introductions and help with Q&A but I I sincerely want um, cause you know, this is our platform. Um, I just want to thank Veronica on this platform because she's not the people that listen to this, know some of them know her and, mm-hmm. um, and she sometimes listens and, and if you see Veronica tell her how awesome she is and how she did a great job. Um, and I, and how much of a slacker I was, uh, for the whole process, but it was, it was cool. And, and, and no one, I, I started this by saying, speaking of things that no one listened to, I was flabbergasted um surprised is an understatement that each day of this this webinar we had over 200 um attendees and so these are people that are also signed up and registered to go to um, houston uh, for the actual conference for food protection deliberations and council meetings but i i i couldn't i i i I mean don i would have called it a success if 30 people came and uh, we hit 200 people every day, which is just, uh, it surprised me beyond belief.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was good. Um, <clears throat> I did, I was able to go to most of the first day and then part of the second and third day just because of scheduling conflicts. Um, and I'm sorry that I missed what I did. If, if I'd had the time in my schedule, I would have sat there for through all of it just because it was just really good and, and interesting. And yeah. And, and I, and I appreciate you. Um, uh, revealing to the world that it really was Veronica that was doing all the work, even though you were the the figurehead. I think uh, I think the world appreciates that.
1: Yeah, and it's <laughs> real. <laughs> yeah, and I I I am not um I'm I yeah it, credit uh what, what's the what's the term give credit where credits due? credits do yep, yep. with, with Veronica Veronica and, yeah yep yeah 100 percent um it, so uh, you know a couple of things that I thought was really, really cool. Um, And so on this, if if you um, viewed it uh, or part of it, you can also go and get continuing education units from uh, NEHA, the National Environmental Health uh, Association. And there's gonna be more information on the CFP website um, on how to do that. Uh, And and all registry, like attendees will get that information. But, There were like, just Veronica and I text him back and forth. Um, We were like, I don't know. I'll just say one message she sent me to me was, I don't think regulators know any of this stuff. This is awesome. (laughs) And and it's true. That's exactly why we did it, right? Like, I Mm, I don't think having, um, you, you know, one of the things I really wanted to do with, this program was to be able to give people a better educational foundation to make decisions and be part of what's being talked about at CFP and um, and sometimes the science evolves so quickly that it's hard for people who have other jobs like regulating restaurants or making sure that um that their staff are able to do it can stay up to date and so i hope we we gave um you know uh an hour i guess four and a half hours worth of content to people plus a bunch of papers that they can follow up on to make them more comfortable with the material that's out there although fda um, made a point of saying this is not part of deliberation we are we we will make the, this very general which i appreciated that i wanted to be a little more specific even though it's not part of deliberation but. Um, but it was great. I thought it was awesome.
0: So, uh, yeah. And, and I, and I do, I do appreciate um, what it is that you guys are trying to do. And I think we, we had a text conversation about this. This is a, I mean, I understand why the conference does not want people talking about the issues before the conference, right? Because the whole point of your point is to come in with an open mind uh, and then be, be, you know, Form, maybe form an opinion, but form your own opinion and then be swayed by the discussion rather than kind of have an opinion and have your mind made up by peer pressure or discussions with people before the meeting. But that said... Um, you know, it's a lot of material to get through. And wouldn't it be nice if somebody could lay out the science? And again, part of that is having the right presenter, right? Having a pre- And really, I mean, on the one hand, you'd want a presenter who submitted the issue. On the other hand, they probably have an agenda. So how do you find someone who is equally knowledgeable about what the issue is, who is was not part of the issue, but who could speak about the issue, right? And I mean, you know, again, one of the issues that I was involved with which actually got assigned to Council One. We'll see if it, we can get it moved to three. Is um, the issue of uh, cooling and specifically looking at um, if we can, if you could put food in a container that has a depth of two inches or less, could you be exempt from time-temperature management during cooling? Um, you know, and I think the science would say that 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 is a, a low-risk uh, proposition, and and would probably net-net increase food safety. But again, um, it would be it would be a challenge to do that because I mean, probably, probably there's a handful of people who could do that. I would you know humbly um, say that I would be one of them. But of course, I have an opinion, and I certainly worked on the issue, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah
1: exactly, yeah, yeah, totally. That, and I think that was that, that was one of the mm-hmm. challenges that we had in the discussion of this process, right? Like one thing is, we wanted to. Um, we wanted to be nimble enough to create an educational program within about a month's time after issues had been submitted and find the right right people who could not like, you're, you're exactly right. In fact, the, um, you know, without getting into too many details of the, the meetings of executive uh, boards and, and all that kind of stuff, one of the concerns that I think we all had in this discussion was who, how do you find the right people who, who don't have, um, I, I guess a stake in whether an issue passes or doesn't, right? That are that are somewhat removed from the process, and can we have them talk a little bit about the the just you know sticking with the the science, so there might be a more
0: um, informed discussion. Um, and so, well, but, yeah. But on the other hand, everybody has a stake, right? I'm mean, yeah. just looking at the workshop right now. Uh, Steve Steve Oswald from Wakefern. Yeah. Um, Has a stake. Uh, Lauren Jackson, she's not part of that part of FDA that directly oversees the food code. So maybe you could say she doesn't have a stake. Uh, David Buckley works for diversity, uh, the folks that work for Ecolab. They all have a stake because they want to sell chemicals, right? They're in the business of selling chemicals. Um, Chris Rupert Compass Group. Um, yeah, I mean, he he's regulated industry. Now, maybe Linda Harris and Kathy Glass, you know, they're academics. And so yes, they don't, they don't have a stake, but you can't have all academic and FDA speakers, right? I mean, you've right. got to you want people who are the subject matter experts. And certainly when it comes to cleaning and disinfection, those are that's the folks in the in the industry.
1: Yeah. Who yeah, sell chemicals, absolutely. right?
0: Yeah, yeah, true, true, true.
1: Um, so yeah, it, I, th- I think it was, a, I think it was a success, um, mm-hmm. just from oh, the numbers for sure. and the feedback that we, that we received. And I'm, I was very happy uh, about it and, and to be able to, to try and pull it off in a different way than how we've approached it in, in the past. I'm, I feel that that's very cool, right? Like, like it's, it was, um, just a new we learned from a virtual meeting on how to do something like this and then tried to put it to practice to better what we were delivering as a program committee and I was I yeah not not to toot our proverbial own horns on this but I, I was very I just it made me feel really good inside that you know that, that we were able to pull this off okay so so we're not just the full disclaimer Don right mm. um if any of our CFp friends the executive uh, people you you're you're official within the in in council i'm i guess semi-official in the not not that i'm part of the organization but i i do uh lead one of the standing committees you're a council chair um you're I, a council member i'm a council member we are you're, you're are, chair of the program committee chair of the program you nominally and I are, let me just tell you yes in name and I, I yeah in in name only um we are not you and i are not deliberating right now okay just to be clear in case anybody <laughs> out there gets gets really upset about things but can I tell you that there are some exciting <laughs> – what,
0: what do you want to deliberate about, Ben? I, I'm not I – mean... no,
1: no. I'm not deliberating at all. So I just okay. told you. Um, oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. I
0: misunderstood. I thought yeah. I thought you were giving me – No, you, know, you no. were using Richard Fingers.
1: No, I'm not. No, no, Richard, Richard Fingers. I am not um, even uh, using cinnamon, cinnamon. Synonyms for deliberating. We're not pondering, considering, reflecting, contemplating, consulting <laughs> – Weighing, are we dithering, waffling, and equivocating? We might be dithering, waffling. Yeah. <laughs> we might, um, we might be batting it around, hammering away at it. Okay. We might be, we might be chewing over. We might be stewing are we, over. Are we going at it with hammer and tongs? That's a good one. I like. That's a good one. Um, we might be cerebrating, cerebrating, cere- cerebrating? I, cere- Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyway, none of those things are are officially happening right here. <laughs> but but Don, can I tell you that there is an issue on Council 3 that I'm very excited about? And and can, can I, I just Can I guess which one it is? Oh, I I I know you're going to love it. I guess yes, guess yes, guess guess guess.
0: It's better than robots, Ben. It is. It's so it's much better, better than, than robots. robots. <laughs> it is it is commercial space travel and food safety. Am yep. I right? Yep. Am I right? You are 100% right.
1: Um, so what, and anyway, people who are interested in this, <laughs> you can go to the council, we'll link to this. You can find the issue number, which title is Commercial Space Travel and Food Safety. Um, it, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, so uh, yeah, and there's some other good ones here, like, and again, they're all my favorite issues, but like CMOS and CMOS Gel, retail cold brew um uh, safety and compliance you know those are things that we had talked about um as part of the educational piece and trying to give some science to that um there there's just like there's lots of fun fun things that I'm, i'm looking forward to um and i did get clarification you and i maybe four episodes back got very confused about the 30th anniversary of what? Yes. And we thought it might be stop food board illness. And we thought it might be the Jack in the Box outbreak. And we thought it might be the conference for food protection. It turns out it is the 30th anniversary of the food code, which happened last year. And we are celebrating it in 2023. So there will be people that are going to have like a 30th anniversary party. Um, I, I, There might be cake. I don't know. I think people wanted cake. I can't remember if the decision was made to have cake. I'm um, I, I, um, uh, going back to our other podcast that we record. I'm, I'm, will be. I, I try to avoid the carbs, um, so I'm probably not going to have any uh, cake. But, um, but anyway, there's. The, I'm excited for council for the uh, conference for food protection. Like I, I'm excited because we're going to do it in person. I enjoy it. I get a lot of energy from it. Um, I'm excited that you're going to be running the meeting that's very I think that's very. Well, I'm difficult. gonna be running <laughs>
0: council three correct my meeting not the meeting no it's, it's Don, Don I know there that are other be, councils uh, that would be um uh what's her name there's other people least, that are running
1: okay, yeah there's
0: other people that are the, the the chair and vice chair of the conference I'm just the I'm just a chair of the council one of yeah. the councils
1: so um yeah but but Don I just wanted you to know it's my meeting Council three is my meeting that I, that's the one i'm going to that's what i mean yeah um anyway, i'm i'm very like I, I you probably can hear my voice i'm very excited not just about um commercial space travel food, f- and food safety um but uh but kind of all all of it it's very like <laughs> i just I'm so excited to talk about who has jurisdiction over space travel and food safety. Um, <laughs> i like I can't I can't tell you how excited I am for that. Uh. And this is not facetious at all. It's it's like robots. I'm loving it. Um, oh, that's um that's McDonald's. I'm loving it. That's their catchphrase. Uh, okay, so um so we got we we got that going for us. You know how I like to say that all the time. Uh, can I send you an article that I want you to to just look at the headline and talk about with me? Yeah, you know? sure, of course. You know how I like to
0: do this. I I prepared. I have. Oh, uh, so just to just to close the loop, uh, conference chairs uh, Becky Vaught and Todd Rossow. Oh, Becky and Todd, my my
1: favorite Todd, who has um, I would say one of the deepest voices of any person I've ever encountered. <laughs> I would love. todd to sing karaoke with us and i think it would have to be like a barry white song or it would be awesome uh all right so article coming your way don It is in the headline so please click on this um it is i want you to read it out out loud to me uh and i would love for you to talk to talk talk about this oh revealed all caps colon (laughs) Thank you. Sorry. Yep. I, I
0: thank you for doing that. More than 1.8 million all caps bacteria all caps. linked to miscarriages and respiratory infections may be lurking in your fridge. Dash. Uh, here are the filthiest spots. It. This is this is from
1: the DailyMail.com. Oh. Uh, Don, I I don't know if you know this, but I was famously <laughs> featured in the Daily Mail. Um oh uh, is that when you went up against uh what's her name? Uh, Goop yeah. Lady? Yeah, yeah. So and she's she's now
0: on trial. Oh, uh, oh. well, I don't know so if she's you, on trial, but yeah. Have have you have you been following have you been do you, we we've talked about podcasts on the podcast? Um have you been following John Lovett's take on this? No. Oh, so so John Lovett um from Love It or Leave It and Podsave uh America has I think I think the way he explained it, and this this will bring us back to cannabis, um took took an edible and then watched all of the transcripts of the trial. and he thinks that Gwyneth is getting railroaded and that she is not guilty. and she thinks that the person who hit her um uh, on the ski slope, um uh he hit her, not she hit him um and he's just out for money because once he found out it was Gwyneth Paltrow apparently he was a lot more injured than he thought he was huh well that's in, that's
1: interesting I've just uh really appreciate all the Gwyneth Paltrow memes that have happened uh, that I've seen on Twitter uh pictures of of her looking less than impressed um mm-hmm. at a lot of a lot of the testimony uh but famously Yes, I had a, uh, a a virtual run-in with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow in the Daily Mail headline: "Why Gwyneth Paltrow Cookbook Could Put You at Risk for Food Poisoning," roast chicken recipe criticized for ignoring risk posed by bacteria on meat. Um, and there are some great things there. The print version of this one, dawn had hmm. a picture of me, nice. uh, and yeah, and,
0: and so uh, did it, you get it, it, it was framed? Great. No, oh. no. I, yeah well I ba- based on my reading of uh of the respective headlines I'm a lot more worried about my fridge than I am about Gwyneth Paltrow's cookbook right I mean I, right it re- the fridge really sounds dangerous there's a there's Dom 1.8 million bacteria in there did you know that And it's it's pretty pretty wild miscarriages did, did, and respiratory infections Yeah, well known to be caused by refrigerators.
1: They might be lurking there. Not they are, they might be. So, um, where, Dom, where are your filthiest spots? You filthy, (laughs) you filthy fridge, (laughs) fridge boy. Where are your filthiest spots in the fridge? (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh gosh. What's got into you? I don't know. I don't know. um, because the filthiest <laughs> spots in the fridge, according to The Daily Mail, are the veggie and meat drawers and shelves
0: where dairy products are kept. Um I would say the filthiest spots in my fridge are probably places where stuff has well to, to, Ben, I'm an academic. Um, we need to define filthy, right? Mm. And let's if we define filthy as high concentrations of bacteria, whether they are um dangerous or not, I think uh, if I, if there's a spot where I have uh, maybe got, kept, uh, to use the paraphrase, the great phrase from Merlin Mann, where I've got some compost in my CRISPR, um, that's going to be the spot where I'll find the highest concentration of bacteria. And the reason why I say that is that uh, fresh produce is notoriously contaminated with high levels of microorganisms. We know this from the testing that we do at Rutgers University dining halls. Those those back, and again, you think about it, it, it makes sense. Fresh produce is not cooked. Uh, it's grown in the outdoors. Um, if there's any injury or damage to leaves, there's organisms there that can multiply when food and water become available from the, the damaged tissue. Um, and so, yeah, and, and if it sits there and it composts a little bit and, it, it, you know, it, it starts to get spoil and get slimy, um, you can get very, very high concentrations of bacteria. So that's where I'm going to say the highest concentrations of bacteria are. Where where are the risks coming from in my fridge that I'm actually worried about? I would say cross contamination. I would say raw meat dripping onto fresh produce that's not going to be cooked. I'm not super worried about listeria. Um, you know, there's nobody in the house that's that's pregnant. There's nobody that's immunocompromised. Now, granted, we are uh, every day getting older, and so we do drift into that uh, uh, demographic of immunocompromised because of age. Um, but again, we don't buy, I mean, probably the riskiest foods we purchase in terms of deli meats are, uh, in terms of foods are deli meats, right? Where we'll buy sliced deli meats from the deli slicer in whatever supermarket my, my wife has chosen to go shopping at that day. So, there's probably some risk there. But again, our fridge is pretty cold. we We try to eat the deli meats up quickly. Again, neither of us both of us have healthy immune systems, you know, healthy you know, for our age and and probably will be probably a decade or more until we're probably at risk there. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my take on where I might find the most bacteria in my fridge. and i and we I can tell you right now, um, we can find way more than 1.8 million bacteria on fresh produce that's not even spoiled, right? Now, again, it's not linked to miscarriages or respiratory infections, but yeah. So that's uh, yeah. That's kind of my initial reaction. Okay, good, good. So I'm going
1: to tell you the math on this because
0: it's okay. It, it, it took me a while to figure this out. Oh, um, okay, got yeah, it.
1: I'm going to give you some some uh, some other bullets that I love from this article, which is just a phenomenal example in very poor science communication. Mm. Um, uh bullet number one your refrigerator Don is teeming with more than 1.8 million bacteria units Hmm. how are your
0: can you check your bacteria units please well Um, I think I think obviously what they're doing there is they are uh, translating colony forming units into units um and of course colony forming units is jargon we use in food microbiology because we don't say bacterial cells because we don't count cells we only count colonies and colonies arise from one or more cells hence colony forming units um yep. but Got the bacteria uh, units yep 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 okay so uh
1: the the real lead for this and and why uh this came out uh on March 23rd is uh that uh, it's about spring cleaning spring has sprung don you know so i, I see that there's a editor who's like what do you got for spring cleaning today well what mm. about uh, cleaning your your fridge oh okay that's a weird place let's go find some information about where, how you should clean your fridge and why oh my gosh don we've revealed more than 1.8 million bacteria units are in your it's teeming it's your refrigerator's teeming um so more information as you as you scroll down this article which i would like to highlight for you don spring cleaning dates back 3000 years When ancient Persians participated in a spring tradition called Kahani Takani, meaning shaking the house. Um, Yep. uh, It was believed that sweeping up dust and removing clutter from one's home would prevent ill fortune in the upcoming year. Uh, People are still upholding this tradition thousands of years later uh, in in your refrigerators. Nearly eight in 10 Americans report spring cleaning at least once a year. So you can see how this is a spring. This is really not about the bacteria. The turns out is that there's 1.8 million bacteria. Um, again, here's the math that I think you're going to be very excited about. Don, the average refrigerator size is 62 inches in height and 29 inches wide. And previous research unsighted that's editorialized by me has found that there are more than 1200 bacterial units, living on every square inch of the container so 1200 by 62 by 29 you put those together don you want to you want to guess what that number comes out to is it about 1.8 million (laughs) it sure is (laughs) all right well good math checks out yep there it is there it is um yeah so uh, uh two different families of microbes live in your your refrigerator uh it, you know, it, it depends on the, on anybody's neighborhood, but you've got the pathogenic bacteria and the spoilage bacteria. Uh, I, I don't know. I think there's a bunch of other bacteria that don't do either of those things that are also there that they, that would probably increase the likelihood of like, we'd probably get up into the billions of, of, uh, oh. bacteria units if we really started Yeah. Counting.
0: Well, as I, as I said, right, you can, you can find 1.8 million. I, you could go to my fridge right now and I bet you could find any an item that had 1.8 million colony form units or units as they say um uh per gram right now and that's yep. that's you know I mean so anyway yeah and I I was kind of intrigued because lower down in the article see this so this this is a an uh, an article that appeared on March 23rd uh but it 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 cites uh or links to some cutting edge research Conducted in uh, 2019, mm-hmm. uh, would you would you care to guess as to where that research mm. was published? Yeah, it was uh, published yeah. in which which <laughs> which.co.uk, that noted uh, peer reviewed journal. Um, uh, and they analyzed ten fridges, Ben. Yeah. They analyzed ten fridges, and they found they found a lot of different kinds of bacteria. Um, they found uh, Enterobacteria cloacae. Uh, they found Aeromonas hydrophila, Serratia uh, and they found Klebsiella oxytosa. So, yeah. d- worry d- how, how how many how many foodborne illnesses do those m- microbes cause, Ben? Oh
1: yeah, no, you're you're, uh, um,
0: you're you're exactly right. Very 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 few, very little, yes, c- close yes. to the, zero. The, yeah, uh, yeah, I would say uh, essentially zero. And but these organisms are opportunistic pathogens. Uh, They are associated with respiratory and urinary urinary tract infections. So here's the thing, Ben. If you have any of this food in your fridge, let me suggest that you not inhale it or stick it in your pee-pee, as they say, Uh, because that (laughs) might not be good. Um, Right. (laughs) That could lead to an infection. Um, So and they do do indicate that they found bacillus cereus. So uh, that's great. Um, but, um, bacillus cereus is everywhere and I'm not like super worried about it. And I, I will notice, I will note, um, the back, uh, the daily mail, uh, redid. So there's, there's a graphic in the daily mail article with the headline bacteria lurking in your fridge. And then there's also a similar graphic from which.co.uk um, which uh, has basically the same information in it, and so I'm really, I guess, I'm I'm glad that the, there's a graphic artist that is being employed um, by this operation, but it seems like I would have anyway. I, I if if I had the resources of the Daily Mail or Witch.co.uk, I think I would probably do something a little different than what they did here but you know who and and, and again there's plenty there's plenty of peer reviewed articles on bacteria in your fridge right which are actually peer reviewed and they probably studied more than 10 fridges and they probably found the same sort of thing maybe even found things that are more um uh quote unquote alarming
1: uh, yeah 1.8 million that's all the units <laughs> that that's all I, I can't get past the headline i'm so like it's anyway uh also don i'll i'll you know for future reading i'm sure the daily mail will come out with an article that uh, uh is in response to the last paragraph which is however the refrigerator is not the only playground for germs they thrive on kitchen countertops sponges and rags and the and the more than 500,000 units live in sink drains have you checked your have you checked your uh, sink drains
0: yeah i know um, my sink, I think the last time I looked in my sink, which was at lunch, uh, there was a piece of lettuce there. I didn't take it out. Um, so that's probably contributing. Uh, our, our sink drain is pretty clean. Oh, you know, another thing, Ben, that people have in their kitchen that is really dirty is sponges. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, um, you know what? You One thing that people have in
1: their kitchen that actually has pathogens on it is like raw meat. Raw meat? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that didn't come up here. Uh This is a, anyway, yeah, I saw this and, uh, and we need, I knew we needed to talk about it.
0: Um, Yeah. And there's, and there's a lot of articles. There's a lot of peer reviewed articles um, on analysis of refrigerator temperatures and microbiology. And I, I, I don't, I, I don't think I'm going to, I'm just going to link to the Google scholar search for refrigerator microbiology um, and there, and you got rather than to pick any particular articles. So yeah.
1: Yeah um and the, i mean just the daily mail website is so busy it's oh, be, it's so to, it's so bad i'm at, i don't have uh, ad blockers on here in my my office my my official office but in my home office i
0: think i would it would at least be a little easier to read I do, um, yeah, I do. I do have ad blockers on, and um, I almost—I was almost tempted to turn it to Reader View, uh, oh. which is definitely uh, what, what when you turn into Reader View, what you realize what an incredibly short article it is, lacking in any right. real information. Yeah. Um,
1: okay, let's switch uh, directions. Uh, sure. In the ongoing saga of who works at FDA and who doesn't work at FDA, <laughs> someone doesn't work at FDA as of May thirty first um I can't can't tell you what you know what what the situation is or if this is linked to I don't know the um congressional committee testimony that's happening right now um but uh, Susan Main, director of the center for um food safety and applied nutrition uh, announced yes well let's let's say not yesterday but a couple of days ago um uh, or on March 27th um that she she'll retiring um and so uh yeah um in her resignation letter men gave a nod to current efforts by fda commissioner um robert kayla to try to reorganize the food safety side of the agency those oh, the efforts food, ha-
0: the food the food side of the
1: agency. oh the food the food side yes those efforts have come under fire with detractors saying cal's plan does not provide a clear inline chain of command involving CIFSAN and other aspects of the agency's human food program um and uh yeah. So um so to so the two folks that uh, were were at kind of the top of FDA's food safety food world, um Susan May and Frank Giannis are are soon to be no longer at FDA. So it's a it's a new you know new
0: new sheriffs are in town or um well, we don't yeah, we don't know coming. who the sheriffs are yet. So no. yeah. And the other thing that's going on too, and maybe you have a perspective on this is uh, and it's just, it's brought top of mind for me because I've been working with a friend of ours who is, I think we've referred to as Dr. Freeze or Deep Freeze, um, yep. been working with with uh, her and a colleague of hers who's dealing with basically, I would characterize as uh, cruel and uh, cruel and unusual punishment from ORA um regarding uh importing products. Oh, yeah, and yeah. um and I think and again, oh and it, again, we've we've sort of psychoanalyzed ORA here to say maybe they're a little angry and so they're just taking it out on uh their um, regulated industry uh and and just sort of being jerks about stuff. So um yeah I don't know. I mean this so so part of what's going on with because there is a reorganization ongoing within FDA, right? And, and ORA is going to somehow get Moved around, right, or parts of Ora? Have I got that maybe. right, Yeah, okay. I mean,
1: I I, I don't know. Th- so I, I I just sent a link to something else, um, mm-hmm. to that I think goes into this. Um, but uh, uh, the there's a House Oversight hearing that's happening. It happened like started. I think it started yesterday, maybe the day before, mm-hmm. um, and continues today. When and uh, Frank Giannis, who we mentioned, who's uh, appearing in front of talking about this, and I I think that there has been talk about the reorganization but not um you know in response to the reagan udall report um Mm -hmm. but not like exactly what it's going to look like um so um yeah i i don't i I don't think we all know exactly what it's what it's going to look like but they are looking for someone to um like there's there's a call for you know someone to run food safety at fda um in the new whatever happens new reorganized process right but i don't think it's going to include the the specific ora powers that everyone's really been talking about not to get too much inside baseball here Mm -hmm. so we'll link link to that um frank frank yannis um uh I'll, i'll just the the axios um article on this uh highlighting what frank's i guess it's testimony right um Uh, or yeah, yeah. uh, he said that the state, this, it was really around infant formula. Um, he said that little has been done within FDA, uh, to prevent a repeat of last year's infant formula crisis. Um, the state of infant formula, this is quote state of infant formula industry today is not much different than it was then. Giannis said pointing to an inadequate public health surveillance system and safeguards that haven't, haven't changed. He also noted the infant formula supply chain quote continues to lack serious resiliency, In other words, the nation remains one outbreak, one tornado, flood, or cyber attack away from finding itself at a similar place.
0: That's not reassuring, is it? Well, and I think a a part of that is probably consolidation in the industry, right? I mean, and again, Frank does not point this out, um, you know, because he's a capitalist. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think the way to create a supply chain with resiliency would be to have more people that make – Infant formula, right now again. There's consequences to that as well because now you've got a more diverse industry. You've maybe got some smaller players that are not as well equipped financially to handle some of these issues. But certainly having um, having only a couple of companies that are responsible for making something is never a good recipe for resiliency, in my opinion. Right, right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And um,
1: and and the it, it appears that the infant formula world has still has trouble kind of getting its hands around chronobacter uh, a contamination and um, and how it gets there how to how to clean it up because we're seeing you know increase not increased but like still that we've still got recalls um, that, that have happened in the last year from from this and so there, there seems to be an ongoing issue and and that you know shutting down um, one, you know large manufacturer really leads to resiliency issues for sure for sure um guess what i'm still doing with my frozen food don my frozen vegetables are you microwaving them you bet i am and guess who eats these berries that i just told you about um and uh but feels real good because i boil them up and then refreeze them before i put them in my smoothies I didn't, I can't tell you that I had any of the recalled products. Recalled like berries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I definitely purchased a lot of um, Trader Joe's um, frozen berries because they're super cheap um, mm. and I like them. So I saw this uh, again, what I'm talking about is a uh, frozen fruit uh, recalled at Costco and Trader Joe's stores due to risk of hepatitis A um, and uh, you know, the, the issue of th- this was a uh, related to an outbreak um, that happened uh, last year between November and December. Um, that is right in my heavy. Uh, I, I like to, I like a fruit smoothie uh, um, all throughout the year, uh, but uh, certainly November and December last year, I would have been eating frozen um, uh, smoothies with frozen or smoothies with frozen berries from Trader Joe's and I heat them up first. So Ah, even though I would say that they're not risky I feel even more not
0: risky uh with my my approach to frozen berries so speak speaking of frozen berries I do want to talk a little bit more about this frozen berry situation that I've been involved in without yeah. um without revealing too much um and I've been doing lately I did a very interesting and deep dive into something known as the Howard mold count. Are you, now you're not classically trained in microbiology, but are you familiar with the Howard mold count? Not at all. Um, But I am
1: now, thanks to (laughs) um, a digitized article from the Library of Congress or wherever. Um, Yeah, uh, wait, are we, And yes, this is the, uh, u.s department of agriculture bureau, bureau of chemistry circular number 68 um tomato ketchup under the microscope with practical suggestions to ensure a cleanly product for from uh, bj howard uh, uh, i'm assuming noted author of this <laughs> document and uh inventor of the howard mold count
0: exactly exactly and so the way the way the howard mold count works ben <clears throat> is that you Uh, basically take a sample. And again, it was the, um, as you implied uh, in your reading the title, it was originally developed for tomato products and specifically tomato ketchup, although it's been used for other canned tomato products. And also actually interestingly berries and we'll link to FDA's uh, defect action levels page, which talks about the, you know, you can't have insect fragments and stuff like that, you know, uh, in, in foods. Um, And so basically what you do is you take a sample of whatever it is that you're sampling and you crush it up and you put it into essentially into a hemicytometer. Are are you familiar with a a hemicytometer or a blood count chamber? No, I don't, but um, no, tell me more. Tell me more about this. Okay. okay, Well, so this is a thing that you put, uh, it's for counting red blood cells, basically. um, Although we probably have more modern ways of doing that um you put a blood sample under the microscope and then you basically count the number of blood cells that you see in a certain field then you count a certain number of fields um and then that's how you and then you average them right um yeah doesn't exactly work that way with Howard mold count, but basically, you uh, put the sample under the uh, microscope and you uh, look there and you count the number of hyphae if you see hyphae or other parts of mold, and then depending upon the number of fields that you count and whether you found mold or you didn't find mold, you give a score. Um, and uh, this is a technology Ben that was invented um, more than 100 years ago, right? It's right there in the in the the article, 1911. Um, and, um, what just not knowing anything, okay, about the Howard mold count other than what I've told you, what would your give me give me your your impressions of this technology for figuring out how much mold is in a thing? <laughs>
1: um, it, it it seems antiquated and could be <laughs> due to be m- updated and modernized with that but, but I'm guessing by your question, it is still a standard way that we understand mold uh, contamination of food products. Is that – am I
0: – It is, absolutely. If you go to FDA's Defect uh, Action Levels Handbook, and I just sent you a um, a link there, um, and you look uh, under berries, uh, Drupal-A canned and frozen. Uh, and and I, are you familiar with, with Drupal-A? No, um, I don't know. It, Drupal-A are basically certain kinds of berries, right? Blackberries and raspberries are Drupal-A. I think blueberries are not Drupal-A, uh-huh. um, but it's just a bot- botanical name. Uh, yeah. Any of the small individual droops forming a f- forming a fleshy aggregate fruit, such as a blackberry or a raspberry. Oh, okay. So we, yeah, will, we yeah. will link to the Wiktionary. Uh, Wiktionary uh, article on that. So, yeah, and so, um, Ben, not surprisingly, I don't think this is a very good uh, technique. Um, what would you again, you're I'm just hitting you with this cold. What would be some re- some problems with this technique as you as you would interpret it just learning about it?
1: Well, I I would say that the using just the naked eye to, well, no, the microscopic eye to count has some limitations in the ability to see things in some sort of a um, suspension that might be this a similar color or maybe might or might be viscous. Um, That that would be one, and then um, just just like. I don't know relying on consistent counting of size in a field would be another one what 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 limitations am i missing
0: well um let's see uh some of the limitations that i've found identified in the published literature would be uh inability to speciate or identify the mold right yeah so you don't know what kind of mold yeah Um, is it even mold is it even mold right yeah rapid analyst fatigue Ben, it takes 30 minutes. It's very fast because it takes 30 minutes, um, yes. which is faster than microbiology, but that's 30 minutes of counting. Um 30 minutes of counting. Uh, low precision, uh the yes. need for considerable analytical skill, um, inaccuracy, poor repeatability, um, and then dependence on food processing conditions. Um, yeah. So um uh, some researchers in the United Kingdom pointed out that the imprecision of the test would limit its value for quality control or legal enforce- enforcement purposes. Wow. So, and, I don't think they use it in the UK.
1: No. And this is so I want to remind you this this method was developed in, uh, <laughs> I would say, prior to 1911 um, mm. because this was issued in 1911. Right. Um, D- Don, uh, just to put that into context. I, I didn't know where to drop this in uh, but I learned something yesterday that I that I thought was phenomenal that I ne- I guess I've never paid attention to but don this is a full 12 this we've been using this this for a full 12 years before it was legal for women to wear
0: trousers anywhere in the United States <laughs> i see i've already finished my expert report i yes. wish i wish i wish i could have put this into my
1: report yes yes uh so. it, it was not until may 28th 1923 that the u.s attorney general declared that it was legal for women to wear trousers just anywhere um and uh so so that we were still in in uh trouser um, you know tra- trouser oppression, uh, which is which is so bizarre to me to think back a hundred years ago. But yeah, that's where the that this it's a really uh, I, I would say antiquated uh, approach to uh, mold
0: contamination. Well, um, you know, uh, Gorama and Bullerman in 1995 uh, noted. Uh, that the use of selective and differential media to enumerate and isolate specific groups of fungi has been a relatively recent development. It only started in the 1980s, Ben, well after women were allowed to vote, wear pants, um, you know, all the things. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the The women
1: uh, pants um, uh, tidbit came to me from uh, uh, viewing an episode of QI last night. So just oh, to bring it back to our British uh, nice. panel shows. So Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating um all right i had uh, so
0: anyway so that's been that's been my life over the last couple of days uh dealing with that with that fund so i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see where if we get any traction but um i I, my recommendation and and here's the thing ben i don't know if you know this have you ever heard of something called the bam manual oh yeah i know i know all about the bam manual even though i'm not a Um, classically trained uh
1: um, a microbiologist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, turns out um, there is a method in the BAM manual for um, uh, enumerating yeast and molds um, using this newfangled 1980s technology of a, uh, a plate count. And not, uh, not uh, the Howard method. No, no. It does take longer, Ben. It does take um, time to grow the organisms. Um, oh. But my, my guess is that it would be more accurate. I would you know, guess that that is correct. I couldn't I actually looked in the literature to find someone who tried to compare Howard mold count data to um to uh plate count data and I could not find anybody who'd done that article. Um but you do and again it's weird because the Howard mold count you get a a score that's between 0 and 100%, so it's the percentage of fields that you examine that contain detectable mold and um it's uh uh it's it, so uh, the the some of the data i found uh, examples where they sent the same sample to different people and they had them analyze it and counts numbers range from like 20% to 100% uh, or they range from like 16% to 60% depending on the sample so yeah not not a super precise method
1: yeah huh interesting um i want to i want to switch uh, switch gears a little bit here um okay. I, I would like to uh take you to um an article that was in the new york Times or no sorry washington post the other one that i like um and uh it there it was uh related to um uh, gosh i'm gonna let me let me send you the, is this the right article uh, yeah okay this will work um and but also um Oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, but also, I want to talk about the paper. Anyway, the headline is, Bacteria from Meat May Cause More Than Half a Million UTIs, Study Says. Are you, have, has this come across your your desk other than in the uh, Food Safety Talk uh, uh,
0: Dropbox? It has not.
1: Oh, okay. So here, take a look at this article. I want to I go through it with you, and then I want you to take a look at the um, uh, uh, actual paper. Oh, there you go. Okay, so... I say take a look at the article, but you can't do that until I send it to you via text, and now you have it.
0: Okay, I'm looking at this picture of these very sexy women wearing uh, overhauls. Yeah, they they're the they were wearing the trousers. Um, so
1: all right, um, in this in this article, uh, it, it cites a study from uh, George Washington University that was published a couple of weeks ago. Um, according to the to their estimations, 85% of UTIs are caused by E. coli and 8% of those infections are acquired from meat. Okay, so how'd they do this? Uh, they looked at almost 1,200 samples of E. coli from humans and 1,923 samples from meat, including chicken, turkey, and pork in Flagstaff, Arizona, and estimated for the first time that... Foodborne E. coli strains may be causing as many as 64,000 um, sorry, 640,000 of UTIs each year in um, in the uh, in 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 the America. Um, so, uh, the quote is: Most people understand eating uncooked meat or accidentally ingesting bacteria from meat can cause you to have an upset stomach. Uh, now we know the specific varieties of E. coli are coming from raw meat are also causing hundreds of thousands of UTIs um but i want you you to kind of talk or take a look at the paper itself Mm -hmm. um oh and it was this was uh actually let me go back a little little long or a little further into the washington post article just because we got to give a call out to someone we know Mm -hmm. um experts have long suspected that foodborne pathogens become part of our microbiome and this quote very nice study end quote, suggest they survive the acid of our stomach and digestive process and do take up residence there, said William Schaffner, your 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 uncle, your cousin, uh, professor yeah. of preventative medicine in health yeah. and s- a policy and professor of medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at
0: Vanderbilt. Not unrelated, I should say. But, uh, yeah, but, no, no relation. Um, so that's interesting. And, and, no, and I don't see any f- food microbiologist classical food microbiologist whose name i would recognize mentioned in this which would be i think an oversight but whatever yeah. so um take have yeah. you
1: looked at the paper
0: i put it in the dropbox i i yeah i've been i've been scanning it here i've been looking at it online um i I'm having, I mean, I'm seeing this for the first time. So let me give you, let me give you my first hot take, not having read the paper. Yeah. Hot takes. I'm here for it. It seems that seems, it seems like a awfully high percentage. What's the, what's the, the Washington post uh, lead may cause more than half a million. Yeah. And then 8% of UTIs are acquired from meat. So I wonder how they got that number. So I'll, if I would like you to look at okay. um
1: I so how they got that number is visualized in the paper okay. on page 4 which is the probability meat origin versus probability human origin and I, okay, think, what right. they, yep. and I think what they did is they looked at genetic tags not tags gen, like they did um whole genome sequencing and look for um like genome for um, specific genes that are associated with sp- like retail meat and human infections. And here's my limitation here that I don't think is represented. So um, they talk about the percent of human isolates that are probability, probability of meat or origin. And it's about 8% that they, that they kind of highlight here. And then they have a nice little chart. I don't know, bar chart that goes, goes along with, or not a bar mm-hmm. chart. a a pie chart. Um my biggest problem, Don, is if I go into a grocery store in Flagstaff, Arizona, right? And I look for um these specific UTI causing E. coli in that grocery in those grocery stores in a bunch of meat samples. And then I look in the population there and I also look for them, I, how am I not like taken out Uh, Am I taking any account for environmental, um, you know, movement? Maybe it's associated with livestock. Maybe it's associated with water. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's associated with other things. But meat is too, like, that seems too specific to me based on their methods that I read through.
0: Yeah. And so this is, I'm just looking for the, where the methods are. So, well, first of all, my first reaction to this paper, Ben, is, what did each of the 22 people who are authors do because <laughs> there's 22 authors on this paper ben hey um, that's a don i will call out that that is a
1: um interdisciplinary or transdisciplinary approach to paper writing okay right so so okay. i mean there's people Whatever. that are doing. yeah there's data scientists there's biostatistics folks there's pathogen genomics there's someone who's doing antibiotic resistance work um I I'm I'm less like there's
0: some medical doctors I'm less worried about that okay all right well it just was it's what hit, hit me at first because yeah. again I I do love working with people and I do love to write papers with people but I don't think I've ever been on a paper that had 22 people um so all right so they so retail meat samples and clinical isolates were collected as described previously okay so they've they've already published a paper somehow on the data collection right yeah um I'd like to know how many samples it doesn't say but I probably have to get go through the described previously uh cool. link which uh, I will so yeah. um, and I think it was
1: like let's just call it 1800
0: okay over the course of a year okay um well that's a lot of samples but it, again it's it's only in Flagstaff. Yes. So, so, which is a little you, weird, right? Let me give you okay. methods.
1: Yeah. The, the, I, Cause I think you're getting to, to some of my, my excitement around this. Mm. So quote, during this 12 month period, which was January 1st, 20, 2012 to December 31st, 2012, um, uh, all available brands of raw chicken, turkey, and pork were sampled from all nine major grocery chains in Flagstaff every two weeks. Concurrently, all human clinical E. coli isolates from urine and blood samples at the Flagstaff Medical Center, the main clinical laboratory serving Flagstaff and surrounding cities, were collected. So there's the comparison. Right. It, it, right? Like, it's to me, there, I don't know, there's directionality issues with this. Right. Because they oh, you may, found- maybe
0: the, maybe the people are contaminating the meat.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because they said that of the percentage of meat isolates, there's some that are probability of human origin. There's a little right. sliver in the yellow there. Yeah. And of the human isolates, the probability of meat origin is like, is only 8%. There's pro they're probably getting it from humans.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, and I, 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 I do. I mean, again, I, I, as a guy that makes computer models and does statistics, I'm always correlation is not causation, right? Yeah, and that's I think fundamentally what this comes down to. There, there is an intriguing pattern here, um, but it's mm, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I remain unconvinced. Um, because what has so so eight percent of human isolates are of meat origin, and so I guess what I wanted I would want to talk more with the the people like probably mostly women that were diagnosed with these infections and ask them. So, do you eat meat? Do you have meat in the house? Can you right. talk about your handling? Per- and then do that for all of the positive UTI positive samples. And uh, you know, because uh, you would suspect that maybe there would be some for those people that tend well, maybe they're more susceptible to UTIs. Again, I would just I'm, I remain skeptical. Well, I guess doc, that's probably the the best way to just to sum it up. How about this?
1: Um, what about produce? What about water? Yep. Yep. Right. Like like do we? You're yeah. You, well, yeah. The, it, there's a
0: correlation with meat,
1: but that was all they tested. Right. 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 Like there's all these other things that are consumed that also could be like, so, so rule that out. Right. If that's, if that's, if if they're not really a source. Um, and what I'm like, I just, I don't know. I don't know the, even the, um, uh, what's the, uh, what what, the, the phylogenetic relationship figure, even that doesn't tell us a lot about like geographical differences, where all these meats coming from. Cause I can tell you the meat that I get is from all over the place. So right, right. Um and 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 maybe I've got ETI, maybe I even go all over the place. I don't know if you traveled ever. Um, but but I've eaten meat elsewhere. Maybe some of that, you know, is coming from from you know, is it really meat? Is it is the flat you know, and, and I, I appreciate what they're trying to do, but I think the conclusions and the the coverage has lost a lot um, in this. Um I sent you a really long text. That I wanted to highlight. Um, uh, you asked about what all the authors did. Um, you're very interested. You, you in that. gave me
0: the answer. Thank
1: you. I gave you the answer. There is at the end of this article, which I didn't read the first time I went through, credit authorship contribution statement, and it talks about what each individual did from conceptualization, formal analysis, writing, reviewing, and editing to um, your methodology, resources, uh, analysis, visualization. So they, yeah, they did a good job.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's good. That's good to know that. So thank you for sending me that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I do want to read what their limitations are. Um, Mm -hmm. our study had some limitations. Um, first during model training, we by necessity or of necessity relied on sample type as proxy for host origin, even though our central hypothesis was that some level of incongruence exists between sample type and horse host origin. Hmm. Despite this inescapable limitation, the model performed well, according to the quality control metrics. Second, the study involves a single locale in time. Therefore, yep. the generalization of the results is unknown. Okay, great limitation, right? But I, I want to go to the articles that have been written about this, where it's about generalization, <laughs> right? For the first time, we think that, um, you know, six, uh, 640,000 UTIs are linked to, to meat. That's a generalization, um yeah since third since beef was not studied we could Wait, not a, a, hang on i missed that too okay yeah what meats are we looking for here don well we bought um chicken turkey and pork what the hell why we why not beef
0: yeah that's weird
1: yeah so uh we couldn't identify beef cattle associated uh, MGEs, which have caused us to under- underestimate the cases finally isolates from companion animal species oh yeah we didn't even talk about that including cats yep. and dogs we're not including the study so it's really not meat and right like yeah. it's non-beef meat that that we're talking about here um and Uh, I don't know what that cut is, but almost all of the pictures that I saw, um, are related to, uh, uh, they look like, well, maybe that's pork. That might be a pork chop, but it looks like, uh, meat, meat, it certainly gave the indication that beef was part of this, which is like, before we leave this, which would be the species of meat that I would expect to have the most amount of E. coli.
0: Right. Right.
1: (laughs) That causes UTI. So what? Yeah. Weird. Right. Huh? All right. Oh and yeah. This is why look, take a look at the, um, the Washington post article that I, that I sent you the right at the top, the biggest picture on the whole, the only picture in the article is, is beef, ground beef. Oh
0: man. Who's See, getting side now some, 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 some person in the meat industry right now is losing their, you know what over this. Yeah. Right. If yeah. I if I was part of uh I was part of the uh beef uh whatever, the beef big industry beef. advisory You're- council, big beef. Um, I would be all over Washington Post uh, for this. Cause that's just that's just shoddy, right? Yeah. I mean, we it took us a while, we missed it. Um yeah. but yeah. again, we're just podcasters, we're just reading this for the first time here. So that's but that's uh yeah, that's that's some shoddy, and that was uh, on the twenty third. Um, you know, March twenty third, and it's several days after that right now as we record this. And so, yeah, that's that's uh, well, I'm kind of upset that the the beef industry has not gotten this photo taken down. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's who I'm angry at now.
1: Yeah. No, this is uh, this is something else. So, huh. All right. There. You, there. Okay. You go.
0: So, so, so here's here's let me let me share this with you, and this is a um uh foodborne pathogens and disease articles so of course i don't have access to it um but this is interesting so whoops that's that's not what i meant to send to you oh. i just sent you a little drupalate drupalate um, drupalate Drupal-A. try again okay so so this is an article from um 27 2007 okay so quite a bit old now um and the 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 title and what i did i went into google scholar and i typed urinary tract infection case control study epidemiology to try to figure out okay so what if, if let's just let's just clear our minds for a minute and say what do we know about where people are getting utis right okay okay OK, um, just like let's just take meat out of the equation and see if it dr- drops back in. And so the title of the article is Retail Meat Consumption and the Acquisition of Antimicrobial Resistant E. Coli Causing Urinary Tract Infections, a case. Con- if you read down to the uh, conclusion sentence, which is the last sentence in the abstract, which is the only part of the article that I can read, I think, I'll- um, the study provides epidemiological evidence that antimicrobial resistant UTI causing E. coli could have a food reservoir, possibly in poultry or pork, which might explain ah. why they didn't look at beef. Because okay. it's a different kind of E. coli. Yes. Right? Yep. A, or it, it wasn't implicated in this particular epidemiology, um, which is which is fine. I mean, maybe they even cited this Magnes et al article. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so um, this was 99 women infected with multi-drug resistant E. coli. They reported more frequent uh, chicken consumption. So women that, were, that had the infection ate chicken more, okay? Women with UTI caused by blah, blah, blah re- reported more frequent consumption of pork. And those odds ratios are significantly different than zero, okay? And the confidence interval does not span one. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, frequent alcohol consumption associated with antimicrobial resistant UTI. Okay. Um, that's anyway, neither here nor there in terms of this study. So, all right. So yeah, so we, we, they're interested in women's dietary habits, preparation or consumption of retail meat products. So, all right. So I'm a little, having read this epidemiological study, right. Which is, which is also analysis of, of numbers. I'm a little bit more persuaded, yeah right because there is there's a there's a there there right um in terms of the risk um yeah so uh I, i'm 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 a little bit more sympathetic to the findings but i i still would like to uh, i'm i'm still uh, again and they and then certainly washington post article and the actual article does not say that oh my god women are everywhere are getting utis and it's all from meat, right it's no it's it's a it's a fraction a small but but real fraction eight percent from meat. okay matt uh i I'm, I'm i'm more sympathetic now having a little bit you know maybe arrived at this a similar answer by a different path right yeah well and and maybe
1: the um Uh, so and and now i'm getting into the washington post article a little bit more thinking more about what uh your your uncle bill said Mm -hmm. um where where he talked about um you know maybe maybe we're talking about specific strains of e coli that are more acid tolerant than others right Mm -hmm. surviving the acid of our stomach and digestive process so are we really talking
0: about that? Oh, okay. So that's it. So, it, so, right. And I was thinking about like just hand-washing and basic hygiene. But yeah. What, I, what, what William Schaffner is saying is you eat it, you poop it out. Yes. And then you get the UTI. Yes. And, and that aligns with
1: what CDC talks about for risk factors. So UTIs okay. are, um, Oh uh, well, uh, UTIs are common infections that happen when bacteria, often from the skin or rectum, enter the urethra and infect the urinary tract. Tract. So, mm. so the idea is that, um, and and why you know, so the another risk factor for getting UTIs being a woman, um yep. or being fem- female, Um yep. because urethras are shorter and closer to the rectum, yep. yep, um, and so that like that, yeah, that that is part of i think the 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 story here so no it's meat consumption with these strains making it through or being on hands and then Mm -hmm. some you know and then making it um into the um, urinary tract okay so i'm 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 less like i guess i'm less uh critical i still think there's a lot of tenuous generalizations and i think that the like I, i think our our conversation about beef is is still very valid right like that's right. not not you know you explain probably why they weren't included but the fact that we've got ground beef in the in the article as the uh, you know, as the picture is misguided
0: right. um
1: but but okay maybe there's something more well, here that I yeah that i can get and, i can get on and- the boat of
0: yeah, and not, and not to blame the victims here, but maybe there is something about some people's GI tract. Again, I would look, I would wonder in terms of risk factors, um, are, are there any, oh, like, what what's the risk of taking um, a proton pump inhibitor, right, which is going to raise the stomach pH and allow these bacteria to pass? Um, are these individuals subject to repeat infections is this now an organism that has kind of set up residence because again E coli lives in our gut right it's it's just there it's spo- it's not I don't know if it's supposed to be there but it's certainly not harmful when it's there so maybe there's something about the the guts of these women that um, basically it makes a hospitable environment for these organisms right so there's maybe there's yeah again I'm not not trying to blame the victim here but maybe there's other risk factors we need to think about yeah i mean all right so i'm yeah i'm, I'm coming around to this idea again um but it, you know i mean washington post come on do better i mean right right do, do better right do better, do better. yeah um yeah, pick, and, get different different art
1: different art and and also i you know i guess just the let me i lost the uh the article here because i was um, I decided to go to chat GPT, which is at its capacity right now, just to see if it could answer the question that I want to know, which is, is there, um, what's the acid tolerance of UTI E. Coli, right. Um, the, but, but we'll, we'll come back later cause chat GPT is busy and I will not ever pay for chat GPT. I don't think. Um, but, but also in the, let me go back here. you area. There we go. Bacteria from me may cause more than half a million utis um i I think it's just that right like so me and maybe it's just the nuance of of the term of e coli bacteria from meat right right is, is the problem that i that i but that's where my my like trigger warning goes up right is it right and i guess technically it may be correct but but it's not it, it's more nuanced than that, right? It's all the stuff we just talked about, that it's specific types of meat that we've seen, these specific types of strains, with maybe they're acid tolerant, more acid tolerant than others, maybe proton inhibitor um, or proton pump inhibitors are are um, affecting this, um,
0: and, and it, it takes a lot of steps to get to UTI. Right. Huh. Right. It's it's yeah. So it's yes. The well, and really, what it is is that the there the the, the uh, maybe a more proper way to say it is that well, and again, the the he, the headline does say may cause, but I would say that there is a statistical association between bacteria found in meat and bacteria found in UTIs. Right. Right. Like right. Th- there is a there is an overlap there uh, that shows a surprising similarity that implies a link. Right. Which is not, which is not, again, is the reason why I'm not a head, headline writer for the Washington Post. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But maybe, maybe someday we will be. Maybe that's our next, uh, when we retire. Yeah. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing, Ben. Thanks. Yeah. Me too. I,
1: I like, unless, yeah. unless
0: NC State offers me the dean's job. Yeah. Well, we'll
1: see. We'll see how that goes. Okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> you will accept. It. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, I mean, it's up in the air right now. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I, so is there, I, we, I went through stuff. Is there anything else you wanted to talk, talk about? We, we like hit literally all of my, my planned stuff today.
0: Yeah. Let me look, let me look in the Dropbox um, and see if there's anything that jumps out, um, I think- and we did, did we already talk about the silver underwear feedback? I think we did. Yeah, we did.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and we've got yeah we i think oh we- should we can we talk about this uh this was sent to us um from uh deep uh a deep uh deep fed colleague um, oh yeah a single single line email i think this is a record <laughs> headline Lemonland food corporation issues allergy <laughs> alert on undeclared soy, wheat, sesame, peanut, walnut, sh- milk, crab, shrimp, fish, parentheses, anchovy, big eye, herring, golden, <laughs> redfin, bream, hairtail, lizardfish, sardine, polk, close parentheses, and multiple products. Lemon Food uh, Food Corporation of Kent, Washington, indica- initiated a recall of seasoned fisheries and seasoned vegetable products because it may contain undeclared uh, soy, wheat, sesame, peanut, walnut, shrimp, crab, <laughs> shrimp, <laughs>
1: It's got it i think i messed that up but yeah yeah one two three four um, five six seven eight nine yep they did it um that's, a, that's big, called,
0: all nine all that's nine a, that's called the full house it's a um, ben i'm, I'm a, making a, i'm making the i'm making right now I'm
1: making the touchdown symbol with my hands <laughs> yes this is it we we have reached the end of the recall peak, internet peak, peak yeah. allergy peak allergy you did it you did it you did it everyone you did it lemon land you uh, you somehow included every single one of the major allergens into your recall. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's good. Oh, we also got something here. Actually, let me go. You know how I'm, I'm real hot on tasting table, right? Oh yes. So uh, we got a couple of emails. Um, <laughs> and I, Don, did you know, I'm going to send you this one because it's awesome. Um, Have you ever thought about uh, making uh, making hard-boiled eggs in a coffee maker? Uh, No, I've never. I've never thought about that, Ben. Well, according to the tasting table, why making (laughs) in a traditional way? There are a plethora of unconventional methods for cooking eggs. If you're tired of sitting around for a pot to boil, you could try making eggs in a muffin tin on the grill or over an open flame. And if you're making breakfast for a crowd, the stove may be one of the least efficient ways to do so. So Mm, agree
0: to disagree, Ben. So I think one of the most inefficient ways might be in a coffee maker <laughs> or a slow cooker sheet pan or rapid egg cooker.
1: Oh, gosh. Make them in. I, I don't even know. So anyway, um, one, one of our our friends, uh, uh, listener of the show, Ellen, uh, said this and said, this will make your day. And my response was tasting table add it again they they're they really really do it for me i i can't get enough tasting table um which i am very still can convinced um it's all written by AI, chat GPT. Chat gpt yeah also ellen followed up about five hours later no uh, 12 hours later with another one that um uh, don um here's how often you should dump the ice sitting in your freezer like <laughs> Well, oh, I what? want to know this. How often should I um toss out old
0: ice every few months to keep your freezer fresh? <laughs> okay. What? Well, you know the the way the way that the ice works in my freezer is it gets made automatically in the freezer and it's a it's a first in first out system, Ben. Um the ice goes uh, out the bottom and comes in the top and it doesn't make any more ice if there's already ice in the hopper. So I'm pretty sure. I mean, the only I have I, I thought I think on our old fridge, our old fridge in our new house, it, it would get clogged from time to time. We fixed that by getting rid of that fridge, which also didn't work for other reasons um, and probably was clogged because the fridge was not holding its temperature. So, um, yeah, I'm – yeah, I uh, ha, ha, toss out old ice. Okay, well, sure. I mean, go for it. I, you know, we use it for something.
1: So, I mean, in here it goes – it's, it talks about um, that uh, you should toss it out every month or so for sanitary reasons. What what kind of sanitary reason can you think of that's going to – like, what am I missing,
0: <laughs> Don? Nothing, Ben, nothing. Uh, the ice – well, here's the thing. I, I don't know if you know this about ice, Ben. Um, it, is, it is routinely at um, um, uh, zero degrees C, right? That is the temperature of ice by definition. Um, Mm -hmm. And so are 32 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'm going to say conservatively here, I don't think bacteria grow at that temperature. So if it is getting contaminated, how is it getting contaminated? And why is that time dependent? Because I don't think it is. Um, Yeah, no, I, I don't think so at all. Um,
1: getting rid of old ice is a, is important, according to the article, as it can pick up odors from other foods. Oh, and eventually that's true. Yeah, right. But that's now not that's, sanitary. That's, that's
0: true. No. Right. Right? Like, I don't yeah. know. I,
1: I don't know. Um, uh, uh, I, I'm
0: just going to see. I, I was able to get into chat GPT. After. i got to read you this sentence. Um, if you think about it, ice plays a pretty big role in the kitchen. Not only does it cool down warm bevies. And the mellow stiff cocktails, but it's also necessary for blanching and even reviving vegetables that have wilted and gone a bit limp. Gosh. I don't get it. I, taste, taste, and table, you're off my list. Um uh, you know Don, you'll come back. You know you love it.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm gonna get an, I'm gonna get something like sent to me. Dodd in desist order. Yeah, right. Oh, I think we've done it. I'm just, I'm, I'd am just i like to read you an article, Don, that that I've just stumbled across here. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in today's busy world, freezing leftovers is a convenient way to save time and reduce food waste. It's an excellent way to preserve the freshness and quality of food for future use. It's crucial to note that not all food's suitable for freezing. Some foods such as fresh lettuce, tomatoes, and cucumbers are not recommended. Um, and anyway, this is being generated as I speak from uh, Chad GPT, when I said write a 500 word article about the importance of throwing out, oh, I missed ice after a month <laughs> in the freezer. Like I would read in Tasting Table. I need to do this again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, throwing out ice after a month. Yep. Here we go. Uh, and we'll see what it says. But I bet it looks. um, Oh, ice is an essential part of our daily lives. Don, especially during the hot summer months when we crave refreshing cold beverages, how, how, what's the lead of tasting table? Um, spring or otherwise, there are certain things in your kitchen that need a good cleaning every now and then. Oh, tasting table also saw that it was spring cleaning. I should let them know that it was spring cleaning has been around for 3000 years since <laughs> the Persians started it. Surprise. That's not in there. Oh, they're killing me. Um, uh don uh, according to chat gpt mm-hmm. in the style of uh, tasting table to ensure that the ice you're using is safe and of high quality it's recommended that you replace it every month if you don't use a lot of ice or you're unsure about how long it's been in the freezer best to err on the side of the caution and throw it out put your ice in the in the trash
0: don um i Man, I'm not made of ice. I mean, I you know, I, I can't just be going throwing away ice. It's not. I'm sure going to put it in the. I'm sure not going to put it in the trash. That seems a silly idea.
1: Well, it's not like this ice. What do you think? You can just turn on the tap and ice comes out of it.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: this is this is awesome. Yeah. So I'm even more um uh sure here that that ice uh the tasting table uses ChatGPT for their terrible terrible articles and i do hope that t- this gets back to the folks the good folks at tasting table um about let's find out who they are oh first launched in 20 2008 by jeff uh Bartakovich and acquired by static media in 2021 tasting table is dedicated to serving the modern food and drink enthusiast through content that is informative, useful, and engaging. Oh, there's a lot of
0: SEO right there. (sighs) All right. Well, see now, this article was purportedly written by uh, Sylvia Tomczak, um, who's in Torino, Italy. Um, She is at the University of Toronto um, and the University of Gastronomic Sciences. Um, She has expertise in Italian food, natural wine, and sustainable gastronomy. How dare you think that she's just a, a bot? University of of Gastronomic Sciences.
1: This is a real university. It's the International University located in Northern
0: Italy. The mm-hmm. campus is Palenzo uh, near Bra, the city. Now, now, yeah. now, maybe Sylvia is putting one over on the tasting table, people, by using ChatGPT to write her articles, but uh, the Canadian food writer, Ben. Yeah, well, that that's an accusation or and, uh, no. and and. and accusation that i will not uh, stand for hey, see i think you and sylvia would get along every time she visits a new country her the first stop on her list is a local market or grocery store she likes grocery stores as much as you do
1: oh gosh
0: i don't and know she, a... she's not whipping up something delicious she's reading her Nona's old cookbooks or scrolling TikTok for the latest food trends she's exactly like you ben oh don Okay. Okay.
1: We've, we've now found um, uh, now that we're, we're in a whole different rabbit hole here. This is why people come to to food safety talk is just to see us Google and go down another path Um, uh, article uh, written at crystal.kitchen. A brutally honest review of the university of gastronomic scientists. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Oh, this is the original uh, review of the university of internet of uh of gastronomic sciences from 2011 but there's been an update um there's been uh there are new new information it's gotten better uh but it cost uh um it said here something like $31,000 to get a master's degree there american um they they've done a better job of providing syllabi um th- yeah there's in- interesting. There's a lot, I guess they're doing better, but we'll link to this. People can look at the university of gastronomic sciences, not,
0: not a university that I'm, I was familiar with before today. Well, and, and, and we will say the article is written in 2011, but the author did update it in 2017 yeah. and 2018 when people, um, reached out and apparently it, they, they were maybe running, um, not a great ship, but have tightened things up a little bit. Um, career counseling uh, uh, in 2011 practically non-existent
1: (laughs) yeah and then in 2018 or uh, we have had three all class meetings in career counseling since January received several optional self-reflection worksheets and were instructed to schedule individual meetings with the office last month but mine was quite productive Um, so huh all right we need to we need to like oh um visiting professors included incredible luminaries like Marion Nessel. uh you, you know yeah do you know you're you're familiar with Marion I'm not a fan yes well all right we're not all you know mm-hmm. it's not it's uh it, as the, as they as the the phenomenal uh, rock group Sloan says it's not the band I hate it's their fans <laughs> 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 Uh, <laughs> uh well i think i think that's a that's a show um i uh w- i think we need uh, a, a couple more uh, weeks to capture some more content for us but i uh i gotta go i got a heart out at two so
0: all right um yeah oh, and we, uh, and go we got a schedule but we got time yep so we got time yep yep all
1: right bye 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 me uh one of my favorite yes um sloan songs um uh if i drink concentrated oj can i think that consolidated's okay and that's the band it's not the band Mm. i hate it's their fans (laughs) three cans of water perverts me which i don't understand where that's like like i don't know how that has to do with um, where the OJ and consolidated? coming Oh,
0: in. oh con- con- Concentrated OJ.
1: You gotta, you gotta yeah. add three
0: cans of water, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. But I don't know where, why that has to do with Consolidated, the
0: band. Oh, um, it's like, yeah, yeah. They're Concentrated they're, OJ, Consolidated's okay. It's, I just, yeah, it's just yeah, a maybe, rhyme. It's a rhyme, right? Yeah.
1: They're uh, radical activist music group uh, formed in 1998. They're, I, I, and actually, I was kind of with, uh, um, uh, I think it was Chris who sings this song, Chris Murphy. I kind of, Consolidated's okay. I don't really know any Consolidated fans. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, Coax Me Lyrics as written by Chris Murphy and Andrew Scott. Um, all right, so I have not posted, I've edited, but I have not posted our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to um post that probably this afternoon i'll have this one ready to go for next week and i kind of wanted to do that while i was away yep um so we could be back at it um and this we had some already scheduling problems right so 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 maybe we're looking at the week what your challenge studying all
0: week the week of the 17th are you back well basically fly out monday uh fly back thursday um and then you got lab meeting Friday and Friday's busy yeah yeah um I could do it Thursday afternoon but that's like I'm I'm not I'm not like super keen to do it Thursday afternoon so okay but the problem yeah. is if I don't do it then we then we have to push till May
1: yeah so I could do Thursday afternoon
0: um all right well, why don't we why don't we just put down Thursday oh afternoon?
1: wait 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 Over. oh I was gonna say no I, you know this is not a good idea um we could do a lot like a live recording while we're at cfp but it is too busy i think yeah i just i don't yeah yeah i
0: mean agreed
1: agreed yeah we're not doing it let's not plug for it okay so let's tentative let's go ahead and tentatively hold thursday the
0: 20th i am like really wide open i can do whatever okay well my flight lands at noon so if we if we aim for two o'clock Or three o'clock? Yep. Three is great. Three is great. Okay, let's do three. Yeah. Um, And uh, my only thing, other thing I got going on that day is, um, wait, what day are we talking about? uh, April 20th. April 20th, APR 20. Could we do, could we
1: aim for 2.30? Sure. Um, And if you get delayed, it's okay. I just, I may have to pick Jack up. At track practice at four thirty,
0: so two thirty is good. Okay, sure, two thirty. Yeah, the only thing I got going on that day is we had tickets to hear uh, Tig Notaro. Oh, I love Tig Notaro. Yeah, she's great.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see her. Is that going to put you in a? Uh, a no, it's fine. For when you want it's to leave. fine. No,
0: it's it's fine because the show's not till seven thirty. We might go and get some dinner first, but even if we wrap at four thirty, it's fine.
1: Yeah, we would be done by four thirty. So yeah, where where is she? Uh, Count Basie. Oh, Count Basie. That, and, uh, and Hackensack. Uh, Red no, Bank. Red Bank. I don't know. I I saw. It's the Hackensack Meridian Health Theater in Red Bank. Oh, far? Okay, yeah. yeah. How
0: far? How far? Where? How far from Red Bank are you? Like, what's uh... now? Probably about as far as we used to be. Uh, we're just a different directions, so it's, yeah. probably, it's probably less than half an hour. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome.
1: Awesome. All right. Um, I sent you a bunch of links. Go ahead and throw those in the thing. Mm-hmm. I'll edit those while I'm at Jack's lacrosse game tonight, and we'll get both of these up and ready to post, and then uh, we're on for uh, April twentieth. At uh, at two thirty, sounds good.
0: Awesome. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.